6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 1 through 72. Now, the law to unsaved sinners is an enemy because it announces their condemnation and the law cannot save them. We tend to emphasize that so strongly in the New Testament that we tend to dismiss it or not re- disregard it uh, in, in broader terms. To unsaved sinners, it's the law. To legalistic believers, the law is a master that robs them of their freedom. And many, many people who get into it a little bit and then get enamored with the, the Old Testament uh, uh, ceremonies and so forth... Uh, often find, find themselves robbed of their freedom. That, that's, I encourage them to, re, to focus on the book of Galatians, the book of Romans. To spiritually minded believers, the law is a servant. That may surprise you. Why? Because it helps us see the character of God and the work of Christ. You really won't understand the work of Christ if you, unless you understand our condemnation in the law that he has freed us from. But we want to be careful that in our zeal, to, to understand Christ, we don't crawl back under the law. And that's what Paul really hammers away in Galatians and elsewhere. And so, this psalm is going to hammer away at the attributes of God, that he's gracious, that he's true and, and the truth, that he's righteous, that he's good, that he's trustworthy, he's eternal, and, and eternal light, that God is light. The attributes of God are, are all through this psalm. We're going to see it from so many different sides. And all through this psalm, there is practical help. The psalm is not a theoretical, theological piece of work. It's a practical how-to-do-it kind of thing. It keeps us clean, gives us joy, guides us, establishes our values, helps us pray effectively. If we really study this psalm, it will it change the way we live day to day. The way we walk, it'll change your devotional patterns all all the way around. It will give us hope. It'll give us peace. Gives us freedom. It brings us the best kinds of friends. It'll find and fulfill our purposes. It'll strengthen our witness. It resuscitates us. And this obviously is just a quick skimming of some of the practical implications. But I want us to get into the psalm with a broad horizon and realize there's far more than, than here than meets a casual review, and we're going to be sort of we're going to be forced because of time to be a casual review. I hope we won't be suffering too badly because of that. So we have 176 verses, and with the exception of just two verses, every one of them is a praise to God. That's astonishing to find 174 different ways to praise God. You're going to you're going to skim through them today tonight, and uh, now it's not our intention to dwell on each verse. As I say, Spurgeon's classic work spent 400 pages just on this psalm. We don't plan to do that tonight. Now, they're alphabetical in the Hebrew alphabet. And the first letter of the Hebrew 
alphabet is an aleph in its original form. It was it intended to look at the, like the head of an ox, sort of like a long you know a longhorn steer sort of thing. And uh, this this quatrain, the, or I say uh, octrain, the eight verses uh, speak of God being undefiled and the blessedness of God. Now, if you see it in the Hebrew, you'll discover that the each uh, of the verses starts with an aleph. And that's true of, of these eight. None other, each one we go through will start with the next letter of the alphabet. That's why it's called an acrostic and very skillfully, carefully designed and certainly is a mnemonic to help memorize. Doesn't help you memorize it in English, however. <laughs> okay. But let's just jump in here. The word blessed... It opened, this, the, the uh, Psalm 119 opens with a benediction, and the word blessed appears in the first two verses, then does not appear in the rest of the psalm. It's going to open with a benediction, and it's going to close with a warning. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. See, there's the, the way. What do you mean by the way? Well, that's the, very, that's the way Christianity was spoken of, the book of in the book of Acts. Are you in the way? Are you a Christian? Who walk... In the law of the Lord. There again, see, suddenly we have, we're confronted with two terms that are not exactly synonyms, but they're both connotatively related. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Okay. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Well, right away, as we do, you know, each one of these verses would be easy to spend an hour on and sermonize. And that, that's what makes going through the commentary so tedious because most commentators really try to take each one and you know, blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Keep them, not just know them. And they that seek him with a whole heart, not half-heartedly. Seeking God is more than reading and studying the Bible. That becomes a shock because we try to encourage people to do that. That's what the Institute's all about is to get people to study, but do more than just study, unfortunately. We have what I sometimes call the 11-inch problem, getting it from the head to the heart. Okay. And uh, seek him with a whole heart, not half-heartedly. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. I won't ask for a show of hands. How many of you do no iniquity? They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Ooh, that's a heavy word. Diligently. I don't think any of us can step up to that descriptor. I don't think any of us are adequately diligent in regard to these things. So this, is, this, is, this, this cuts right through it. This reaches right where we live. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with the uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. So that's the first quatrain, the first octave, if you will, of this um, psalm. So we're 122nd through the study already, okay? The next letter in the Hebrew, uh, the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet is Beth. And the word, the Hebrew alphabet and we're not going to get into this too much tonight because it will derail us, but every letter in the Hebrew alphabet is not only pronounceable, but it also carries concept. The first one is the first, 
And since it means an ox, it means strength or service. Beth means house or home. And Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bethel, the house of God. Beth is the word for house. And the letter Beth means house. It originally was written like a little line on a teepee, but then it becomes RB later as through evolution. But, but uh, in the, the way it's written in, in current Hebrew, which is since Babylon. Before Babylon, they wrote it a little differently. But, um, but the, anyway, this is the letter Beth. And uh, the theme of this group of eight is to make your heart a home for the Word of God. That's going to be the concept that's going to underlie the next eight verses. And again... If you see this in the Hebrew, I'm not going to do this each letter, but just to give you the flavor of it, every word, every line starts with a bet. Okay? So this thing is very skillfully organized, not just in concept, but in structure. And uh, bet, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Very typical Socratic method of teaching, to ask a question, beg the answer. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's a very key question. What is the way that a young man should keep his way clean? How do you go about doing that? That's a challenge that few of us meet adequately. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Here's the answer. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's interesting that our young people are taught everything in school except what they need to know. That the Bible is against the law in this country since 1963, and you can measure the decline of the United States in every measure, every social measure you want. I can I actually have a collection of 84 measures. They all were improving until about 1962-63, and then they take a disastrous plunge. That was the year that we started outlawing Bible and prayer in schools, and this country has gone down the skids ever since. And the rate of its decline is accelerating in every which way. Financially, military, every which way. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word with, thy, with my whole heart. There it is again. Have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. We're called sheep in the scripture. If you talk to a shepherd, there's two characteristics of sheep that are very conspicuous to anyone that's dealt with that kind of livestock. One is they're really stupid. Sheep are dumb. They're not like many other winsome animals, horses and dogs that can be trained a lot. They're dumb. The second thing is, if there is a hole in the fence anywhere, they'll find it. They're dumb except for well, the one skill they seem to have innately is to find an escape or find a hole to get around. Anyway. Lo, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Ooh, that's an interesting verse. That's a call to memorization. People, you know, say, well, I do should I memorize it? Well, there are lots of different reasons. One is because of verse 11 of Psalm 119. Thy word have I what? Hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And that's one, you know, scripture memorization can be overemphasized. In a lot of families, a lot of kids get probably beat up to memorize stuff they don't fully understand. So that can be, I, I suspect there could, you can go too far probably. But it clearly is a value. And it's astonishing to discover how common scripture memory was among the ancient leaders. 
Caesar's. I'll tell you a story in a little bit. We get a little further. Uh, amazing stories that, that come about because it was taken for granted that people knew their Bible. Uh, many, many anecdotes. Lockyer's commentary is full of historical anecdotes of great people of all kinds and shapes and walks that knew their Bible. They took for granted they memorized it. And, uh, uh, it's, but there's another reason people say, what, what version do you like best? And I usually answer, well, I like the giant print version. And that they, they think I'm just kidding, and of course I am, but people say, one of the arguments for King James Version, beside the fact every version has its problems, the King James are well documented. But the other reason that so many of us draw back on the King James is because of its majesty, but also, if you're going to spend energy and effort to memorize the Bible, you want to do it in a version you know is going to be around 20 years from now. There are a lot of modern ones that are very comfortable for lots of reasons, but they're going to be eclipsed by others. And you know that 10, 20 years from now, the, 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 the versions that are around are going to make the ones we have now, you know, they'll be better. But the King James will always be around. It'll never be uprooted out of our cultural background. And, that's in our, and, and there's a half a dozen words that you need to learn that have changed meaning. But uh, those are trivial, and you, you pick them up in no time. There's literally only six or eight of them. And, uh, but, the, uh, uh, but the point is, uh, its, its majesty is unexcelled, and you know it'll be around. So, thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11, okay? Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes, indeed. The best profession, thy word. The best plan with it? Put it in your heart. The best place for it is in your, in your heart. The best purpose, why would you do this? That I might not sin against thee. The most, the most important profession is his word. The best plan with it is to hide it. Where? In your heart. For what purpose? That I might not sin against thee. I, I highlight this. Just, you can take one little sentence, and when you really start to digest it and reread it and absorb it, it starts to have all kinds of nuances that, don't, that won't come out by just skimming through it. Here's a verse that we've all heard so often, but until you digest it, you don't get its real meaning. And that's true of virtually all of these. So we won't try to do it to all of these. Verse continuing, With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. You know, it's not our promises to the Lord that are important. It's his promises to us that will give us victory over sin. Think about that. We're so quick to promise this and promise that, especially in extremists. No, no. The real promises that are important are his promises to us. That's where victory lies. I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Wow. Judgments, testimonies, precepts, ways, statutes, his word. Right in here, in these few, we have six different allusions to different aspects of the word of God. So those words are synonyms and yet not quite. And it's in their subtleties that I encourage you to explore. You'll do that by chewing the cud. The next one is Gimel. The longings of the holy soul. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy way, thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant. We're not only servants, we're students. 
Deal bountifully with thy, uh, thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Wow. How often we've heard that. And oh, that he would. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. There are things in your Bible you will not perceive until you've chewed it over five, 10, 20 times. And the real meaning of these sentences will reach out to you and not be just dry letters on a page. That takes meditation. And he continues, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. And this is an emphasis that we're pilgrims. We are not natives here. We're passing through. Our citizenship is elsewhere. Coming from Orange County, we had a neighbor, literally next door, by the name of uh, uh, Duke, but everybody knows him as, uh, you know, John Wayne. And you remember, the, I love some of those Westerns. He always called us, his associate, Pilgrim. <laughs> what a descriptive term. Hey, Pilgrim. Aren't we, though? Aren't we? Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Do you feel the, the drawing there? The fact that we're pilgrims, by the way, it's important to understand that if we're pilgrims, we need to understand that we're enmeshed in laws that are foreign to us. We've just come back from a trip to uh, Australia and New Zealand. And if you're used to driving in the United States... You've got some adjustments when you're a pilgrim in another country. And you better understand. It's important not to confuse the two, right? Because obviously, you know, in, in Commonwealth countries, some, not all of them, in, in a number of them, you drive on the left side or on the right side. And that doesn't bother you to drive the car, but it sure drives, dri dri bothers you the pedestrian. And when you step off the curb, you're always looking the wrong way. That's why in London now they've got it painted on every corner. Look, you know, it tells you which way to look, you know. Because you're instinctively, you look the wrong way because you're so used to the right-handed thing. Anyway, the point is, is that we are a stranger on the earth. We need to understand that. And we respond to a different set of laws, hopefully. And, uh, okay. Continuing, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did seek and Speak against me. Here's another one of his illusions that the psalmist was in a high place because he's got princes, you know, speaking against him. But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies are, also, are my delight and my counselors. This gives you a broader view of the law than we t typically have if you confine your perspective from the New Testament epistles. The next one is a Dalith. A cry for quickening is the Dalith. And uh, Spurgeon, uh, the Dallas is, is sort of like our D, if you will. So Spurgeon called this one depression, devotion, determination, and dependence. And uh, anybody who's been a graduate of one of the seminaries knows that somehow things are more true if you can start them all with the same letter. They call that alliteration. And uh, I try to avoid it, but that's a very common um, thing of many uh, commentators is to try to make everything alliterative. So Spurgeon would say, depression, devotion, determination, and dependence. Okay. But continuing here, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. 
Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul cleaveth unto dust. You know, everything draws us down. Everything draws us down. Cleaveth to, everything brings it. Watch television. What happens to you? Down, down. Read the newspaper. You may not realize that those are the entropy laws at work. Everything moves towards disorder. Everything moves towards randomness. That's just the law of physics. That's the second law of thermodynamics. And uh, that's also the law in our society. It goes to the lowest common denominator. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared thy ways, and thou hurtst me. Teach me thy statutes. It's interesting, we often, when we're in trouble, pray for deliverance. We shouldn't do that. Ross Perot and his company was very well known. Many leaders do this. When you, have a, when you come into his office after a big disaster, you just really messed up, you walk into his office. His first question is, no problem. What did you learn from that experience? And we should ask ourselves that when we're in trouble. We shouldn't pray to get out of the trouble if it's God-ordained. We should make sure we don't repeat it. I don't, we should pray that these lessons not be wasted what have we learned from that experience? I've declared my ways. Thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. We're students. What have we learned from this experience should be our question. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Make me understand and I will spread the word. My soul melteth for heaviness strengthen thou me according to thy word. And Gesenius, the Hebrew expert, says that word really means keep us alive. An entreaty that the waste of life through tears might be restored by his word. Remove me from the way of the, the lying. And by the way, one of the assignments we'll give our students when they take the psalm is count the number of ways. There's at least eight times that lying is mentioned in this psalm. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. For I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. You know, if we think up clever schemes to defend ourselves and slander others, that prevents the Lord himself from defending us. The minute you do that, you foreclose his stepping up. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Romans 12 and so on. I have stuck into thy testimonies, Lord. Put me not to shame. He's passing, you're passing it to him to handle. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Enlarging the heart. More, make it more room. More room to breathe. More, more open. The next letter is a hey. And the hey is like a breath. Like... If you remember uh, George Bernard Shaw's uh, play called Pygmalion that was made into a movie called uh, My Fair Lady. Remember Henry Higgins to, uh, to get this um, cat cockney gal to, she could never pronounce H's. So she gave him the, you know, the, in Hartford, Hereford, Hampshire, hurricanes never happened. And she had to, you know, they had the instruments. Anyway, the hey, that, it's an H. It's like our H. And so it's an outbreathing. What's an outbreathing? Okay. It's, it's going to be faithfulness, the result of divine inworking. It's, this group, this octave, will be the most 
prayer-laden segment of the psalm. So it's a hey is an outbreathing. It's the whole thing is a uh, a prayer. I I am convinced that no matter how much we study, we'll miss a great deal of it because it was designed to be in Hebrew. And all of us, at best, you know, have that very second or third hand. But let's go on. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Wow. Ending well is what it's really all about. And the teach me there, the word teach there really means point out or indicate to me, show me. Because he wants to finish well. And give me understanding, I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. There again, it's the wholeheartedness that's emphasized. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Covetous, the loss, what Ambrose calls the loss of the soul. And uh, double-minded men are vulnerable people, according to James chapter 1. Mostly familiar with that there. Uh, in the, uh, back here, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. The word path there in verse 35 is a different word than the way of uh, verse uh, 33. And uh, one of them is a uh, public road, and the other one is a footpath seldom used. Make me to go in the narrow path, the one that... The, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, the lo- I'm going to start to say the lonesome road. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, huh? The path less traveled. That's what I'm fumbling for. The path less traveled. Okay. The whole game is to finish well. Doesn't everybody finish well? No. Lot didn't. He blew it. Samson. Started off great, few pranks, didn't accomplish a lot. King Saul started off great, blew it. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Mm -hmm.